Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show, where we talk quality of healthcare and explore what that actually means. Let's dig into performance measurements, the equipped platform, pharmacy goals, and personal goals. We will also occasionally cover topical healthcare news and maybe throw into the conversation a few of our own nerdy passions and hobbies. So turn us up. The Quality Corner Show starts now. Hello, Quality Corner Show listeners. This is your host, Nick Dorich, and we welcome you to the next episode of the Quality Corner Show. Usually on this podcast, we focus on quality in healthcare in the United States. And while we may not have specifically stated that, that tends to be most of our listening audience. However, we have seen that there are downloads and listeners that are coming from international countries, and we're actually going to dive a little bit into that side. While quality in healthcare certainly is important here in the U.S., uh, that does expand into other countries, and there are efforts being undertaken to improve quality of care for patients in each of those locations. With that, we thought for March it would be a good time to focus on pharmacists and quality of care in Canada. In case you didn't know, and for many, this will be new information, but March is Pharmacist Awareness Month in Canada. Now, I think we could uh, have a lot of fun with what needs to be made aware of for pharmacists. We certainly think that pharmacists and their services and the ways that they can improve patient care are certainly an area where we'd like to see more growth and opportunities. But for here and now, we're going to focus on how pharmacists improve care in Canada and how the Canadian market is a little bit different than the U.S., so with that, I'm going to introduce another member of the PQS team. Uh, this gentleman had joined our group a few months back. We've been happy to have him on board. I know that I've learned a lot about Canada and pharmacy since he came to the PQS team. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to introduce Neil Donald to our listening audience. Neil, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Welcome from Canada. Welcome from Canada, eh? <laughs> I won't try to add any other little words like A onto the back of my sentences. I'll leave that one to, to, to you. And, uh, you know, Neil, before we go in and start talking about some of the questions that we have for today, do you mind giving us a little bit of background about yourself, how you've worked in pharmacy and healthcare, and then your current role at PQS? Sure. Thanks, Dick. Uh, first off, I'm not a pharmacist. Um, I've been around pharmacy for a number of years, but I was born and raised in Canada, spent half my career in the benefits side of the business, so basically reimbursing pharmacies, and then got involved with a startup to start mail order in uh, pharmacy in Canada, which I know mail order is a big part of uh, the U.S. pharmacy uh, groups. Um, I did that for a number of years, uh, spent about seven or eight years uh, running uh, one of the largest PBMs in Canada, um, and then a, a couple more years uh, with uh, McKesson, which is also known in the in the U.S. Um, and just uh, as you said, just a few months ago, joined um, uh, PQS to uh, be their representative in Canada, and I'm enjoying uh, going out and speaking to you know Canadian pharmacists and Canadian payers about uh, pharmacy-based uh, quality improvements. So. Great. Thanks for the, the background there, Neil. I know I've learned, like I said, I've, I've learned a lot from you, uh, particularly your experience in both the managed care side, but then also working with pharmacies. There's very few people that get to have had that experience working with, with both sides of uh, pharmacy and medical operations. So uh, bring a lot of, you bring a lot of knowledge here to the team. Um, so Neil, I think we're going to go ahead and jump into some questions. And, and like, like I said here at the beginning, that's going to focus a little bit on Canada versus U.S. and some, some other health markets. Uh, are you ready to begin? I am, Nick. All right. So first things first, 
I think here, particularly in the U.S., we see and hear a lot of different things about how Canada and healthcare in Canada, how that functions. So while I'm sure we could do an entire podcast just on that topic, let's focus on community pharmacy in Canada and how that may differ versus the U.S. So maybe this is talking about presence in the community, uh, types of pharmacy locations, the mix of independent pharmacy versus chain pharmacy. Do you mind shedding a little light on, a, a light on that topic for us and how the Canadian community pharmacy arena is different or maybe the same compared to the U.S. community pharmacy? Sure, I, I will definitely try, Nick. Um, I think if I, if I look at Canada and look at the U.S., and again, I haven't had much exposure to the U.S., but again, through PQS and my, my, my peers uh, here at, at PQS, I've learned a lot about the American system. But I, I guess if I had to put it into two areas, let's say one is, is about the expanse of Canada and the population in Canada. First off, as you know, we're a, a, a very large country. Um, the population is centered in, in you know, only a small number of uh, large city centers, and then it's, it's primarily rural. Um, so, I mean, the number of pharmacies and the population in general isn't as big as, as the U.S., so we don't see a lot of the things that you see in the U.S. As an example, you know, the population in Canada is probably the same as the population in California. So, you know, you can't have all the programs you have in California because you've got to deal with a country that's as wide as, as Canada is. But I think if I had to say what is, you know, the, the clinical aspect of pharmacy is the same, and it couldn't be much closer between the U.S. and Canada than it is. Um, but I said, if I had to say what is the biggest difference, I think it's in the reimbursement and the models that apply in the U.S. As an example, there's no such thing as a PSAO in Canada. There are PBMs in Canada, but there's probably two major PBMs and maybe, you know, less than five other PBMs in total. Um, you can count on your hand a number of PPNs that exist in the marketplace in, in Canada. Um, their PPNs typically negotiate only around fee and potentially um, a smaller markup. But other than that, there's none of the kind of programs that you have in place in, in the U.S. and certainly not the amount of programs you have in the U.S. So it's, I don't want to say it's more traditional model. We in Canada tend to follow the U.S. Um, and we take some of the good and we try to, you know, not take all of the, the good. Um, and we're usually about, I'd say, four or five years. I don't want to say behind, but until things kind of they get introduced in the U.S. and it takes a few years until they actually start to be adjusted and move into the Canadian marketplace. So those are, I think, the two areas that I would see um, you know, the difference in, in Canada. But the clinical aspect of pharmacy, I think, couldn't be much closer than, than what it is. The professionalism, the you know, advocates for the patient, um, I think is all pretty similar. Great, Neil. So I have two quick immediate questions based on your commentary then uh, that you provided there. One, you had mentioned uh, PPN, and that's not a term that I'm particularly familiar with the U.S. market. Can you explain what the PPN that you refer to, what that, what that stands for and, and how that may operate? Oh, sure. I, I honestly, and again, probably it's a different term in, in the U.S., but I, I know it's a preferred provider network. So basically, you know, you're saying if you go to this group of uh, pharmacies, your, your price is going to be adjusted down. The payer usually negotiates those. I mean, they seem to be, and they're probably called something different or they're part of the PSAOs or they're part of something else. But, but in, in Canada, um, there's just not a lot of those and there's not, you know, controlled pricing on every single group. So um, it, that's the part that I, I, I thought was uh, much different. 
Gotcha. Yeah, here in the U.S., there may be networks or just preferred networks. So a uh, little, okay. little bit, but yeah, intent there is, is the same. The other part I wanted to see if you could provide some feedback on is with Canada and with pharmacies in Canada, what's the mix of chain pharmacy versus independent versus hospital or community pharmacy? What, what does that look like? Because here in the U.S., those numbers may vary and, and based on new pharmacies opening, pharmacies closing, that may change a little bit. But usually it's about the numbers that I've seen anyways in the U.S. are about two-thirds are chain pharmacy, roughly about a third independent. And then, of course, there's community hospitals and some other groups that are in there. Do you have an approximation of what that's like in Canada? Um, I want to, I'm, I'm going to take... I'm going to take some, I think, educated guesses. I, I, I should know these. They're in the back of my mind somewhere. But I want to say there's about 10 to 11,000 pharmacies in Canada. And I want to say 40 to 40% of that number is two chains. And so if you add the rest, there's probably, the number's probably similar to what you're suggesting. Two thirds is probably going to be chain and the rest are independents. Because off the top of my head, you know, banners being considered independence, I'm, I'm figuring, yeah, there's probably, I can think of 30% that's probably banner and, and independent driven. So I think the numbers aren't too far off of what, what you have in the U.S. Great. Thanks, Neil. I appreciate the additional context there. With that, I'm going to move on to our next question. And, and again, we already talked about some items for just explaining the market. But next is just, again, let's get into some nitty gritty here. When it does come to Canadian healthcare, but especially pharmacy, are there any items that you would say are particularly true or maybe uh, very false or even extending that out that may be considered a myth? Um, are, are there any parts or assumptions that we may have about healthcare or pharmacy in Canada that you would say, yes, these things do exist 100 percent or you know, maybe some items have been exaggerated a little bit? Uh, I could go on about talking about exaggerations in the Canadian healthcare system for a while. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, first off, Canada does have socialized medicine, um, but that doesn't include pharmacy, at least not for the majority of Canadians. So if you're under 65 and you're, you're working, most likely you're going to be covered under an employer plan. The people that are covered um, for pharmacy benefits uh, through their, their government, through the government programs are over 65 or people who need a, a means test. In other words, they can't afford their medications. Um, the federal government is responsible for healthcare in Canada, but they leave it up to the provinces to determine how they how their programs run. So um, it's it's provincially um, legislated or regulated. Um, so it doesn't mean across in Canada if you have, you know, for pharmacy that it's the same in every province. Um, your hospitalization's paid for, your physicians' bills are paid for, but if you're a, you know, a working uh, consumer you're going to pay for your own pharmacy benefits. That said, uh, if you look at provinces, like there's a province uh, in Western Canada, British Columbia, that has a pharmacare program. So they're first payer in that, in that uh, for, for uh, their patients in, in Western Canada. But that doesn't apply in Ontario. Now, all that being said, uh, the government, the federal government is looking at a national pharmacare program which could be anywhere from providing pharmacy coverage for all Canadians, no matter um, if you have a benefits plan or not, um, to being a fill the gaps type program. The pharmacy and a lot of the other uh, insurance payers are all looking for a fill the gaps type model, um, but the governments are looking at a broader model and replacing all existing um, you know, private insurance models. So 
that's going to be something over the next couple of years that's really going to impact pharmacy in, in Canada, and that will change dramatically how um, pharmacy is in Canada. So. Gotcha. Neil, one comment there that you talked about that really piqued my interest is the, the commentary about the provinces. Now, here in the States, there yeah, there are federal laws around pharmacy or, or, or healthcare practice, but that apply to pharmacy. But across state lines, there may be different services or opportunities where pharmacists can uh, provide different services, whether it be different age groups, they may have more expansion of services. Does something like that exist in Canada where from one province to the, to the next, pharmacists may or may not be able to provide services that are generally recognized as within the capability of a pharmacist? Absolutely, Nick. Um, I, you know, you've hit the nail right on the head. I mean, if you look at expanded scope of services, something that pharmacy has been going, looking at for, for probably the last five years and been successful in, if you look at Canada, um, and I actually just prior to doing this podcast, I just kind of freshened myself on, on what the expanded scope looked like. There's still provinces in, in Ontario, as an example, you know, uh, flu shots are provided by pharmacists and, and vaccines can be provided by pharmacists. But there's many, there's a couple of provinces still that haven't passed that hurdle yet. Um, but I want to say, you know, and again, when I was at another organization, um, flu shots became the norm in Ontario. Um, it, you know, pharmacists had to be licensed and had to be, you know, take an exam and, and, and do all that. And since that time, the number of provinces that have actually gone further and, and regulated that that can be done by pharmacists is probably, you know, tripled. I mean, I think the majority of provinces now that like that, um, you know, uh, minor ailments, you know, all the same types of things that you're seeing in the, in the U.S. are, are certainly uh, what pharmacy is doing in Canada. Wellness is, a, is another one that's uh, starting to, you know, its head out in, in certain provinces so yeah and that that goes right into what we had listed as the last question and here in the u.s depending on where you are state to state uh there there are different opportunities that pharmacists are looking looking at to be recognized as providers to be able to be paid for services whether it be wellness readings medication counseling services genomic testing and all these other items that are going to be tied into for uh, blanket term medication management or cognitive services. So it sounds like Canada is working on a lot of those items. And and can you expand on that just a little bit, Neil, to say what are with regards to some of those, whether it's on a province level or uh, federally within within Canada, what are those services that are being looked at? And to me, I'll be honest, I'm I'm curious to see is there something that's being approached by Canada that's not being approached here in the U.S. Is there something that we in the U.S. have an opportunity to expand scope of practice for pharmacy, or maybe it's vice versa. I'd be curious for your uh, commentary on that. Yeah, I'm not sure it's so much vice versa. I think, I think pharmacists in general and pharmacies are all kind of at the same time looking at the same things. One of the things that, hey, you know, we're doing your pharmacy quality podcast, let's, not, let's, let's talk about it, is, uh, you know, is value-based pharmacy in Canada. I mean, that's something that's just started you know, six, six months ago, a year ago, Nobody knew what that was. People talk about value-based care, but nobody had talked about it and how it applies to pharmacy. Who knew this whole organization existed in the U.S. that had, you know, 90% of all Medicare patients on it? I mean, those are incredible statistics. So, and yet we come to Canada and people are going, who, what do you do? So uh, I think the value-based aspect in Canada is starting to open people's eyes. And I, I really, it's being embraced by it's certainly now starting to be embraced by pharmacies. They're starting to understand. They're starting to see that we can provide them with information that can help them improve their business and improve their, you know, their their patient health outcomes. So, you know, let's 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 talk about 
you know, the company we work for and say that in Canada, I think this is going to be something that's going to assist pharmacists in the next, you know, 12 to 24 months as we move forward. So, Neil, I really appreciate the commentary and the perspective that you provided about the, about the Canadian pharmacy market and healthcare. It's a topic where for myself, I, I can say, and I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners would, would have the same idea here that we certainly see or hear a lot, but it's not all that often we get to speak with someone that has been in, in, in that realm. So really appreciate uh, the information that you have provided there. And, and I'm sure we'll have more questions and content that we can provide for our listeners in a future podcast. And while we're starting here in Canada, who knows, maybe in the future we'll have episodes about quality and markets involving or pharmacy and, and other markets outside of US or even Northern America. But uh, we're now at the point of the podcast here where I like to transition into some other questions or, uh, you know, maybe topical points of discussion. So uh, I do want to reference something that is a fairly recent event, and, and that is for myself as a pharmacist and as a sports fan, I'm very curious in your opinion with this. Uh, being Canadian, I am assuming that you're a big hockey fan, and if it's possible, not just possible, but if it actually occurred that a Zamboni driver could beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. Do you also think a pharmacist could play goalie and beat the Toronto Maple Leafs? I need to watch what I'm going to say here, but I think almost anybody could beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, that was a very interesting, uh, you know, a very interesting uh, game that uh, David Ayers, Ayers played. And uh, I got to tell you, he was just, uh, there's a picture of him outside the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame where they were taking his goalie stick and putting in the Hall of Fame um, he's 42 years old, and uh, he, yeah, he works full-time, I think, at Coca-Cola, but he drives a Zamboni as the person that's in the arena. That said, if a pharmacist, if was a, a pharmacist, uh, there was, if for some reason we had a pharmacy in the building and that pharmacist was a, a goalie, um, certainly they could, they could join and, and, and be part of that game. Um, you know, most pharmacists, I have lots of friends that are pharmacists. Most Canadians grew up playing hockey, so it would not be unusual for many pharmacists to have the skill level of, a, of the David Ayers had and, and would thrill and, and love to be in that game. So uh, that was a, a really interesting, that guy's got his 15 minutes or two hours worth of fame there. So. Yeah, that's, I appreciate hearing that. And I, and I think that a pharmacist, a Canadian pharmacist who has some real practical experience playing hockey, particularly hockey on ice, would have a much better chance of winning a game than, than I would. I, I can't say that I've ever played hockey actually on ice, um, only on, you know, only in the street. So perhaps my skill set wouldn't be up there. But uh, I do bring it up as a question and, and reference it here because at the same time, it's really interesting to me that, you know, with that topic, in, in some way, it's about given the right opportunity. And I do think pharmacist and pharmacy is also somewhat of, of, at a bit of a crossroads that's there. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give this final question to you. And, you know, where do you see the opportunity for pharmacy in the, in, in the future? You know, pharmacists are highly trained healthcare professionals, easily accessible in the community. What do you see as their biggest asset and where do you see the profession of pharmacy going? Um, I have lots of, uh, I have lots of thoughts about that, Nick. I, I'm, I'm a very, very strong believer again of, of um, what pharmacists can do and how they can help at the, the healthcare system. Um, I don't want to suggest for a second that the Canadian healthcare system is in trouble, but you know, wait times are always on, um, on people's minds. And I think that we can utilize pharmacists much more than we do today. As you said, you know, highly trained healthcare professionals. You know, when I look at minor ailments, there's no reason that can't be expanded, you know, a hundredfold 
before it starts to get into the you know the, the, the medical doctors prescribing rights. Um, I think there's huge opportunities there. And if, if unfortunately, if you have to visit a, a, uh, an emergency room in, in Canada and there might be a three or four hour wait, I think a high percentage of those people could be, could be managed by a pharmacist. So uh, I think that pharmacists need to play a stronger role in, in uh, that first line healthcare. Um, and I would certainly echo that to the associations and the colleges. So. Well, Neil, I, uh, I don't really think there's a better way that we could end this podcast. <laughs> I'd love your commentary there. It's really, to me, that that is a position as a call to action for, for pharmacists, for pharmacy, as you mentioned, those with associations, schools, colleges, anybody that's involved with the profession. As you noted, you're not a pharmacist, but clearly you're involved with pharmacy. And I don't think you'd be here and talking about this if you weren't an advocate for pharmacy. It's, it's while pharmacists, we do have a good skill set, we need lots of other people to help carry the message for us or with us rather. And I thank you for that. So Neil, any closing uh, remarks from yourself before we go ahead and close out the podcast? No, I, um, I thanks for the opportunity to, to do this. It's been fun. Um, I, uh, I look forward to listening to the podcasts, uh, this podcast and, and future ones. So thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Neil, we'll look forward to having you on some point here in the future. The, the topic for pharmacy and, and how pharmacists improve patient care is a broad topic and not just here in the U.S., but, but also in Canada and in many other countries. So we look forward to having Neil, his engagement with the podcast in the future. But for today, we're going to wrap up our message. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, our team here at PQS has a couple of favors to ask of you, our podcast listener. First, we encourage you to share this podcast with two friends, because if you share this with two friends and each of them shares it with two friends, it really helps us hit a larger listening audience. Second, we also want to take a moment to remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you may find it. And then if you have any questions or topics you would like us to address, please contact us. The best way to do so is to email info at pharmacyquality.com. Let us know what is on your mind and what we can address so that you are fully informed. Our goal is to continuously improve our podcast content and to provide meaningful information to our listeners based on current topics in healthcare, technology, and quality measurement. We want to help you become as effective as possible in how you care for patients and improve public health outcomes. So until next time, we wish you well.